0: District Sentinel Radio, it's the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. Joined by intern Nate. Hello. Check out the website districtsentinel.com. We're broadcasting out of the hero of the working class and best looking member of DSA, Brandon Henke Studios. Got the newscast coming up for you in just a little bit. First, an update on the worst tweet tournament. Our our moonlighting gig. We've got our first finalist, folks. David Frum punched his ticket to the finals today, trouncing Ezra Klein 80% to 20% in voting in the Fungal 4, aka the semifinals of the Worst Tweet Tournament. So that happened. From's in the finals. We also have voting underway right now to see who's going to take on from in the finals. We've got the extremely online region champion, the only number one seed left, Brianna Snarth, her alligator baby tweet going up against the clown politician region champion, Hillary Clinton, and her college debt in three emojis tweet. We got a scoring update here.
1: Hillary Clinton up. Fifty-two to forty-eight, yeah, biter We've bite never her. heard that before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling this one's going to be close.
1: She's winning the popular vote. Okay.
0: <laughs> it would be embarrassing for her to lose this close to the end again, but that's Hillary Clinton for you, folks. So, uh, voting is going to resume in this match between Hillary Clinton and Brandon Snarth until Friday around one or two p.m. and then. The championship voting begins Friday evening. It's going to last throughout the weekend and into Monday. And we're going to crown a champion first thing next week. And we'll try and seek comment from our champion. Before we move on to the news,
1: figured I'd throw this out there for some banter. Trump joining the TPP. What's up Um, with that?
2: We knew he was down with OPP. But apparently now he's down with the TPP as well.
0: And the PP tape. Nice. So, uh, yeah. He, that's that's he, our
2: commentary. He, he I, evidently look,
1: told some lawmakers from ag-producing states that he's looking to join the TPP now. And yeah. uh, Trump probably <laughs> Trump just...
0: Yeah, I mean, Trump probably just saying stuff that will please the people he's around. Also, wouldn't be surprised at all if any opposition he had to the TPP was completely hollow and he has no clue what the TPP really is. And when you have people like uh, who's who's his new advisor, this Fox News guy, Larry Kudlow, Larry Larry Kudlow in there uh, in his ear all the time, I'm sure he can be swayed to do anything that uh, the rich want him to do.
2: It's going to be interesting to see how Democrats respond to this. Whether Maybe they, they'll oppose it. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, that's kind of the dynamic you'd expect. But if, you know, judging by the way they reacted to Trump leaving the TPP, you would think this would be, you know, the best thing, most progressive thing he's ever done. But
0: Two quick things to note. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel. Throw a few bones a month at us and you get a exclusive content. You also get your own poem read on the air. And you can just feel good knowing you're helping our little news co-op sustain itself. Second thing, we've got a live show coming up next week, Friday, April 20th, the weed holiday. We still have a few tickets left. We have a limited number of tickets overall for this event. few tickets left. You can still get them. SquareUp.com slash store slash district sentinel. You have to buy them online. No ticket sales at the door. So if you want to go and spend the weed holiday with the two Sam's and intern Nate and Rachel Cursius for advice and consent and some other special guests we have lined up, get your tickets right now, squareup.com slash store slash district sentinel. All inclusive. It's Thursday, April 12th, 2018. Here's the news. Oh. <laughs> CIA Director Mike Pompeo appeared before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee today for his nomination hearing to be the next Secretary of State. Pompeo, who is an Islamophobe, a bigot, torture supporter, shouldn't be anywhere near the top of the State Department. He also made it clear that if confirmed, he stands in agreement with President Trump on the Iranian nuclear deal. In other words, he supports shredding it. He's no diplomat. But one of the main thrusts of Democratic questioning during the hearing was, of course, Russia. And whether Pompeo, again, interviewing to be the next top diplomat, not general, would be sufficiently hawkish on Russia. Here's Pompeo under questioning from Senator Robert Menendez. What
3: behavior, if any, has the Kremlin shown that indicates it wants to get along with the United States or our allies?
1: Senator administration has taken a series of actions to push
3: back That's against not my Vladimir question. Putin. Let's start with my question. But, my Senator, question this is, is this, what? what... Behavior has the Kremlin shown that it indicates it wants to get along with the United States? Is there any? If shall, please share it with me,
1: Senator. I, I, I take a backseat to no one with my views of the threat that is presented to America from Russia. And if I am confirmed as the Secretary of State, I can assure you, this administration will continue, as it has for the past 15 months, to take real actions to push back to reset the deterrence relationship with respect to Russia. Sounds like a goddamn tornado insurance salesman.
0: <laughs> I'm glad we've reached this point now, where uh, future secretaries of state have to pledge to Democrats that they're going to be sufficiently hawkish toward other nuclear-powered, nuclear-armed nations like Russia. Normally, you expect Democratic nominees to like pledge, you know, to to, to kind of talk the talk when they're in confirmation hearings with Republican senators and say the buzzwords you need that you're going to be tough on the international stage. Now you have Democrats trying to prod Republicans to be tougher on the international stage. Anyways.
2: But it's so funny because it shows them as hypocrites.
0: Also of note, Pompeo, who as a U.S. member of Congress was opposed to President Obama attacking Libya without congressional approval, now believes that Trump has the authority to strike the Syrian government in Syria without any congressional approval. Here he was under questioning from Senator Cory Booker.
1: Does the president have the authority uh, to launch strikes against uh, uh, the government of Syria? Senator, yes, I, I believe that he does. You, you believe he does. Um, does So you do not believe there should be a new... There is a need for a, a new authorization for the use of military force to cover uh, uh, such an attack? S- Senator, I, I believe that he has the authority he needs to do that today. I don't believe we need a new AUMF for the president to engage in the activity that you described. For the record, President Obama also believed uh, that he did not need congressional authority to attack the syrian government he chose not to in 2013 but he repeatedly stated that at the time
0: yeah this has been pretty consistent uh, among both administrations finally one of the more interesting parts of the hearing didn't feature pompeo at all but a discussion between chairman bob corker and senator tim Kaine about regime change in syria uh just listen to the clip and we'll talk about it afterward The regime change issue, I remember it seems like that everybody on this uh, committee, except maybe Senator Paul from Kentucky, um, agreed with the previous administration's policy that Assad had to leave. Assad must go. Um, Seems that that was unanimous. Maybe that wasn't the case. But that, that to me is indic- indicative of some feeling of a, a regime change. That, that he's brutal
1: and a dictator and subject to sanctions, international criminal prosecution, even military action to punish him for civilians is one thing. But I don't think the United States has a right to decide who should, the,
2: who should be the leader of another country.
0: Well, it seems to me that a president stating that someone has to go uh, is going way down that road. I'm... All, uh, it was the stated policy of the United States of America that Assad had to go. I don't know. Where do you guys weigh in on this? It seems like Tim Kaine sort of wants it both ways. And I will say Tim Kaine was critical of the Obama administration's line on Syria as well. But Kaine wants to be able to preserve this sort of liberal interventionist model, but stop short of, of regime change. Whereas if you look at the U.S. involvement in Syria since going all the way back to 2013, where you had covert support of armed rebel groups, the arming and training of these rebel groups dedicated to toppling the Assad government, it's hard to describe U.S. policy in any other way than committed to regime change, even though they're not stating it clearly. Independent of U.S. policy,
1: I don't understand Kane's point when he says that Assad should be prosecuted, but... Yeah, that's a different but,
0: thing. Also, the U.S. really can't uh, be a party of prosecution proceedings on the international stage. Well, I, I guess the point I was trying to make is
1: he thinks that Assad should be prosecuted, but thinks that uh, we that has no bearing on whether or not he should still be the current leader of Syria. Does, does he think he's just going to take a sabbatical to, to fight this? I, I, <laughs> I'm gonna go to Holland for a while, you guys. Uh, I'm just gonna fight this for a while, and then I'm gonna come back. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's just kind of liberal weeniness. I, I don't know. I mean, Corker, he has a point.
2: It is liberal weeniness, and I think he's just caught by the contradictions uh, between the contradiction between what most Democrats, voting Democrats, would want and what the administration, the previous Democratic administration supported. I mean, they clearly supported regime change, but I don't think most Democratic voters wanted to overthrow the government of Assad in Syria. They maybe could have been persuaded to think that that government was evil, or probably shouldn't rule over Syria. But I think most Democratic voters, that is, people that vote Democrat, do not want regime change, were pretty upset about what happened in Iraq and maybe Afghanistan and learn from the lessons, whereas the D.C. establishment didn't. And I think Tim Kaine should have demonstrated how he's caught in the middle of those two competing strains of thought.
1: Uber now has to disclose ransom payments to hackers to federal regulators. The company agreed to the reporting requirement for five years as part of an amended settlement with the FTC, revealed today by the agency. You might recall the genesis of the story late last year, Uber revealed it was the victim of a major cyber attack. In 2016, the company revealed, hackers had stolen data, about 57 million people. The company then paid the attackers to delete the data and shut up about the incident, doling out $100,000 in hush money through a, quote, bug bounty. The breach was revealed in November by the company's then newly appointed CEO Dara Khosrowshahi in an interview given to Bloomberg promising to snuff out bad practices. In February, however, testimony before a Senate subcommittee, Uber's chief security officer defended the bug bounty payments saying they help resolve cybersecurity incidents. The FTC said it filed a new complaint and amended a prior settlement with Uber Because of the 12-month delay between the attack and the disclosure, the delay that included the departure of the especially detestable CEO, former CEO, Travis Kalanick, or is it Kalanick? I think we agreed to call him Kalanick on the show. We did. Last June, after Kalanick left, exited, whooshed out of there in a flush Uber entered into the consent agreement because it had flimsy internal controls preventing employees from snooping on private customer data. You might recall those were implemented after the company was caught having something called God Mode, which enabled some extremely creepy surveillance by those in the company with access.
2: From the FTC to the FCC... 12 senators, 11 Democrats plus Bernie Sanders sent a letter to the broadcasting regulator today asking it to investigate. Sinclair Broadcasting. The move comes shortly after a video of Sinclair reporters reading a scripted monologue of right-wing talking points went viral, putting a spotlight on the company's business practices. In their letter, the senators said they were concerned that Sinclair is, quote, engaged in a systematic news distortion operation that seeks to undermine freedom of the press and asked the FCC to consider revoking the news giant's broadcasting license. They also asked it to give the public more time to weigh in on Sinclair's proposed merger with the Tribune Company. That of course would give Sinclair a reach to about 72% of America's households. FCC Chair Ajit Pai quickly rejected these requests in a letter of his own. But he's not exactly a neutral party here. He's currently under investigation by the FCC Inspector General's office for his ties to Sinclair Broadcasting. Mick Mulvaney
1: finally faced off with Elizabeth Warren today. The hotly
0: anticipated battle went down. This is the time when you wish the Claymation wrestling show still existed on MTV. The possibly illegally
1: appointed CFPB head has repeatedly attacked Warren personally while gloating about how he's defanging the agency that she was once supposed to lead. Today, Warren responded, explaining why the agency was created, listing action after action taken on behalf of cheated everyday people. She basically called Mulvaney a sociopath. Take a listen.
2: You've taken obvious joy in talking about how the agency will help banks a lot more than it will help consumers, and how upset this must make me. But here's what you don't get, Mr. Mulvaney. This isn't about me. This is about active duty military. It's about first responders and students and seniors and families. And Ari and his dad and millions of other people who need someone on their side when consumers get cheated. You are hurting real people to score cheap political points.
1: Goons inflicting pain to own the libs. I got to say this is a pretty good summary here of what conservatism basically
0: is? I just want to note uh, Warren's construction there in which she said this is going to hurt active duty people, first responders. She didn't say cops. Normally, that kind of like democratic talking about public servants usually includes like cops and stuff. Maybe maybe that maybe it's getting. Maybe that message is getting across. Or maybe uh, I'm just giving too much. Uh, I'm reading too much into it, maybe. I don't uh, know. I
2: wouldn't, I wouldn't read that much into it. All Democrats should think twice before celebrating the cops, especially the FOP. Agreed.
1: Another interesting moment to share from this hearing. North Carolina Republican Tom Tillis has a spicy hot take on laws against predatory lending. Here's some friendly banter between Mulvaney and Tillis. Um, there, there is a consequence to all of this overregulation, which is that people do not have access to credit. yes yeah, so not have makes access wonder
3: whether or not some people are just laying the predicate to nationalize our financial, you know, our banking institution here, and they're willing to have some of these victims just lie along the path to their <laughs> end goal.
1: There is a senator who's no longer present who has written a, a very vigorous defense of why the postal yeah. service should be in the banking business. Well, fortunately for these two, few Dems want postal banking let alone strong rules on payday lenders. But you gotta love Mulvaney's disdain here for guaranteeing access to just the basic, just the most basic service. We have government-provided highways, dams, electricity. Increasingly, people are calling for municipal broadband. Why shouldn't banking be offered by the public sector? Well, so there can be payday lenders, and then the lowliest parasites in the country can have money to fund the political career of a Dickensian villain like Mick fucking Mulvaney. By the way, for all the complaining people do about going to the post office, the Postal Service has a 70% net approval rating. That makes it the most loved agency in the country, according to Pew. Coming in second, National Park Service. Net approval rating, 64%. So uh, Wall Street's approval rating, (laughs) way lower than net 70 plus
0: Democrats. Finally, new allegations against EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt, who amazingly still has a job. Pruitt's former deputy... Pruitt porn. This is just becoming Pruitt porn. It here. really is. Pruitt's former deputy chief of staff, Kevin Chimeluski, has been talking to Democratic lawmakers about Pruitt's conduct in office. And those lawmakers released a report documenting some of the new charges and corroborating some of the known ones. That includes wasteful security spending on bulletproof vests, biometric locks, and new SUVs. Again, we're talking about the EPA administrator here. Pruitt spent more than the $5,000 allotment for remodeling his office, and that included the $43,000 spent on the soundproof booth.
1: My masturbation box.
0: Pruitt... (laughs) Pruitt frequently stayed at expensive hotels when he was traveling. Uh, It included going more than 300% above the cap that's reserved for special circumstances. And get this, in those cases, Pruitt was reimbursed, but security agents who had to stay there also were not reimbursed because it maxed out their daily allotments. Shimalewski's testimony also corroborated reports that Pruitt abuses emergency sirens when he's riding around with his detail. Uh, Also corroborated what we talked about on the show yesterday, which is that a close aide of Pruitt, Samantha Dravis, who resigned a few weeks ago, actually never showed up for work for three months despite being paid fully, and that people around Pruitt were demoted after raising ethical concerns. I don't know, like uh, part of me wants Pruitt to go get fired tomorrow. Part of me wants to keep doing these segments each day about how awful Pruitt is and how blatant his corruption is. It's all fun and games until there's some giant, awful fucking
1: petrochemical explosion. True.
0: All right, that'll do it for the newscast today. And boy, we've got a lot of uh, calls backed up here on the Listener Rant line. And since it's Thursday and we don't have a newscast tomorrow, let's try and knock a few of them out.
3: Ten years in, and we bone like we're cheating on each other with each other. A decade plus, and her clip brown taint area still tones my dick.
2: <laughs> it's beautiful. Poetry. A new a, a Shelley for our times. Hey, guys, it's Dude Slater. I'm calling with an
3: important update. Um, Normally, you know, my purview is White Sox baseball, but this is about the WWE. They have an upcoming event, April 27th, the Greatest Royal Rumble, and it will be held at the King Abdullah Sports Center in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. It's going to be starring um, superstars, you know, Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Triple H, The Undertaker, and there will be a 50-man Royal Rumble. But with so many superstars, none of them female, all of the superstars will be there. And, you know, my dark horse pick to win it all? Mohammed bin Salman. MBS baby. All the way. WWE champ. Dude Slater, never logging off.
0: Interesting. Thanks for uh, informing me of that. I used to be a huge wrestling fan. I haven't watched in a while, but this could get me back into it.
3: Hey, Sam. Sam, Nate. It's Greg in Cincinnati. Um, Sacks, buddy. Ripping that much hog three, four times a day, uh, that's not going to help you maintain your New Year's resolution. I mean, even think about where bacon comes from on a pig. You might as well like, go out and find your nearest portly maggot chud and take a slice of his gut and fry that up. Uh, I don't know, man. Not much bacon's not a good not a good way to do it. Also, thought yesterday Tuesday's episode should have been titled "Knuck uh, if you zuck," because well, actually "Zuck me, Daddy" was a good name too, but "Knuck if you zuck" was stuck in my head. Uh, would have been a good title. Anyway, keep up the good work, guys. I'm still bowling at lunch. I beat the uh, the charges, So, uh, I don't know. Keep it real.
2: I think it's safe to say Sam needs to be put on a
0: hog watch. <laughs> to be clear, it's not three to four times a day. I'm not eating that much fucking bacon. I haven't even eaten any bacon. Yeah, you're not eating all of, of it. Some bit. of
2: you using it are to make tallow. That's important. Yeah, you're, you're, you're
1: clearly not making bacon three to four times a day because you don't want to clean a pan three to four times a day, and you don't have that many pans. So, there was no argument there.
3: Uh, one second, I gotta, I gotta hit this real quick. Ah, come on! Fucking gravity's not fast enough to pull the water. <laughs> hey, Sam. <laughs> Sam, Nate. Uh, <laughs> tell me about the bacon pan incident. <laughs> Sex. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Don't leave bacon grease around. <laughs> Not only does, like, bacon make you smell like shit after you cook it, look into that grease and the fucking pan. Shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. I fucked up this call I Hit a bong like a pussy. <laughs> you
0: hit a bong like Nate Sweet over here. Oh, man. All right, I get it. I get it, guys. I get it about the bacon. I get it.
2: That's so a theme in our calls today. Smoke one
3: for Boehner.
0: <laughs> There's a tribute to John Boehner. Smoking one for John Boehner. The okay. eternal flame. All right, we got one more uh, caller here to get to.
3: Hey, this is the Macho Man Rand Paul's neighbor, and I just wanted to say that not only would I not smoke a joint with John Boehner, I would put the fucking joint out in his eye and give him something to really cry about. I would shove a bong up his ass and then stomp on his ass so the glass breaks in his ass. Fuck him, fuck every other rich white piece of shit who's thinking on cannabis evolved once they figured out how much money they could make off of it. They should all be in jail, the dealer should be released, and paid reparations out of these rich fucks bank accounts. Fuck them.
0: Certainly making some insanely salient points. Call the Rant Line, 202-684-6108. Sponsors of the show include the Congressional Dish podcast, hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. Another sponsor, levelnews.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or TuneIn by searching for District Sentinel Radio. Give us a review, give us a rating, tell your friends to listen. The newscast returns next week. Sentinel Cast for subscribers is on Friday. We'll stay here in D.C. so you don't have to be.